Thank you very much. Um, I'm very honored and humbled to be here today at Oxford uh, University representing the, the Chamber of Commerce of Bogota. Um, I will first like to thank um, the Oxford Network of Peace Studies for this kind invitation, uh, the Department of Politics and International Relations, uh, Dr. Liz Carmichael and Andrew Gosner for the coordination and this wonderful event and the generous welcome, the Center for Intractable uh, Conflict um, for its sustained interest in the Colombian issue, and a special mention to my friend Lord Allardyce for his continued support and friendship, and of course my panel and my friend also Annette Idler. Um, before I start my presentation, let me give you a brief information about the Chamber of Commerce of Bogota and about my city. The Chamber was founded in 1878, 140 years ago. This makes the Chamber one of the oldest institutions in the country. We're a private, non-profit organization whose goal is to foster long-term sustainable development for Bogota and its region. The Chamber represents around half a million firms that contribute to 25 or 26% of the country's GDP. And of course, as you know, Bogota is the capital of Colombia and home of around 10 million people. In the chamber, we work in mainly three key areas. The first one is providing legal certainty for the market through the administration of the public commercial re registry. The second one is promoting the creation and strengthening of the business community. And the third one is fostering a business-friendly environment for firms and citizens. I am currently the director of peace building at the Chamber of Commerce. And before this job, I was part of the government delegation in the peace talks that took place in Cuba with the FARC guerrilla. People in my country and abroad ask me very often, why is the chamber involved in peace building? This is not out of your core business. Should you let this topic to the government or maybe to the NGO sector? In this presentation, I want to try to answer these questions for a, from a practitioner's point of view and hopefully show the importance of peace building for the private sector in Colombia and the role that the chamber is playing. I will first give you a brief context about the Colombian conflict. Later, uh, later, I will go through some key findings in the field of peace building and the private sector. After that, I will share with you some ideas about how the private sector in Colombia is engaging with the issue of peace currently. And I will then explain how the Chamber of Commerce particularly is helping the private sector to constructively engage in the peace process in Colombia. Finally, I will share some of the lessons I think we can draw from the Colombian private sector experience and can illustrate also how to move forward around different parts of the world. In order to speak about the private sector in Colombia and how it has engaged with peace building, I first have to tell you a few things about the Colombian conflict. I come from a country that has struggled a long time to find peace. For more than five decades, Colombia has suffered a relentless and devastating war that has taken a very big toll. 
left-wing armies, mainly the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia People's Army, FARC-EP, and the National Liberation Army, ELN, have been waging a deadly war against the state and paramilitary forces in most parts of the country. Some say the Colombian situation is now the longest internal armed conflict in the world. The war has taken a toll that is greater than many other major wars around the world. By 2014, armed conflict around the world had forced 38 million people to flee their homes. With about 6 million internally displaced people, Colombia is succeeded only by Syria with 7.6 million and Iraq in third place with 3.3 million. These are figures for 2014. To illustrate the point, the IDP population in Colombia is equivalent to the whole population of Singapore or Denmark. The reparations program created by the Colombian government in 2011 has registered 7.7 million victims of forced displacement, murder, torture, sexual violence, forced disappearance, kidnappings, among other grave violations of human rights. Colombia is the third country with more landmines, only exceeded by Afghanistan and Cambodia. During the internal armed conflict, three presidential candidates, one general attorney, one minister of justice, 200 judges, 175 city mayors, and 16 congressmen have been murdered. Also, 200,000 killings have been registered, 80% of them of civilians. Colombia registers 100,000 victims of forced disappearance. This figure is equivalent to the total number of cases reported in dictatorships of Argentina, Chile, and Brazil put together. Authorities have registered around 3,900 kidnappings between 1970 and 2010. This figure, this figure implies that during that period, every 12 hours, one person was abducted in Colombia for political or economic ends. Finally, authorities and NGOs have registered around 5,000 extrajudicial killings carried out by military forces around the country. As this figure suggests, we could say that violence in Colombia is part of everyday life. However, the country has also searched endlessly for peace. During the last 30 years, multiple governments attempted unsuccessfully to reach negotiated peace agreements. However, the first comprehensive peace agreement between the government of Colombia and the FARC-EP was finally signed on the 24th of November of 2016 after four and a half years of secret and open negotiations in Havana, Cuba. The challenges to become a peaceful society are the ones we are facing right now, the implementation of the peace agreement, of course. FARC already laid down their weapons as individuals and are facing their reintegration process. As a group, they are transforming itself into a political party as part of the agreement. At this very moment, we are trying to implement the peace agreement, addressing the root causes of conflict, ending hostilities, aiming to ensure national reconciliation, and in general, setting up a series of measures to prevent reoccurrence. The implementation of the agreement aims to ensure the rule of law in the whole country. In addition, in this post-conflict phase, which will take us around 
15 years, we are trying to set the regulatory frameworks and institutional mechanisms that can guarantee a sustainable peace. The Colombian government has estimated that the implementation of the peace agreement will cost approximately $47 billion in a 15-year period. In the next 15 years, we will have to dedicate around 1.8% of our annual GDP to this task. So far, the state has committed to finance 85% of, of this total cost, and the remaining 15% will need to be covered through international cooperation and the private investment. This implies, of course, a huge political commitment. However, the challenge of peace building in Colombia is much more bigger than just the implementation of the peace agreement with FARC-EP. Colombia has many challenges, but also unique opportunities. And this is a common idea where the government and the private sector meet. Let me now briefly mention some common themes in the field of peace building and the private sector. As Professor Kohler pointed out, the field of private sector and peace building has gained more and more interest in the last years. We know that the complex links between growth, peace, and the private sector are key to development and yet are often overlooked or poorly understood. Partnerships and cooperation with the private sector for peace and studying the economic preconditions of creating peaceful societies is a new trend in the practice of peace building and conflict prevention around the world. International and even domestic experiences prove that business sector is a key stakeholder to firmly advance towards the settlement of the armed conflict and, to, and the promotion of a sustainable peace. Still, few scholarly works exist on the role of business in peace building that focuses specifically in companies. The involvement of peace in peace negotiations and in peace building has become a standard concern for countries involved in transitions from armed conflict. As Peshka argues, in the aftermath of conflict, the private sector role can extend beyond its narrow impact in providing jobs and generating income. The relevance of the private sector backing the peace building process is now a consensus in the academic world. Some argue that the private sector can contribute by taxes, employment, and other contributions such as institutional reform, demobilization, and victims' reparation. However, business participation in peace-building issues serves more than material purposes. For many sections of society, the involvement of the owners of capital and company managers holds significant symbolic value. Company managers represent a very strong commitment and willingness to accept change. It is key to point out that the private sector is not an homogeneous notion. You can study small, medium, large firms in different sectors, different regions, and different time frames. This diversity has to be recognized to fully understand the role of business in peace. So while the importance of the private sector for war to peace transition is clear, little has been said about the specific strategies adopted by companies in transition periods. How do companies prepare for peace? What choices do they face? Although this emerging field is both vast and relatively untested, 
There lie multiple promising research avenues for scholars and practitioners alike. Together, they can help show the conditions for making peace more durable, more holistic, and more comprehensible for some of society's most powerful actors, the private sector, of course. I want to now try to answer these questions in light of the Colombian private sector experience. First of all, let me just say that, that the majority of Colombian businesses have suffered from indirect costs of violence, loss of opportunities, delays in merchandise distributions, opportunity costs, investments in security, insurance, and taxes, rather than indirect costs, kidnappings, extortions, attacks against staff or operation. Now, traditionally, the private sector in Colombia has engaged in peace issues uh, in an indirect way. In several peace negotiations between the government and illegal armed groups, the private sector has played a secondary role. During the negotiations in the 90s, the leading institutional conglomerates pushed a private sector agenda in the talks in search of protecting private property, free market, and the economic status quo. During the talks, the leading businessmen in Colombia have tried to have a very low profile and to use the government to protect their own interests. During the Havana talks, however, the role was a bit more evident. The president appointed two well-known businessmen as negotiators and also promoted close meetings in Havana between business leaders and the FARC negotiation team. This, of course, was a confidence-building measure that helped the government ease the pressure from the private sector at home. On the other hand, the role of the private sector in peace building has traditionally been understood as providers of jobs to ex-combatants mainly on capi and capital through, tra through taxes. This has been true for all previous peace processes before FARC talks. Now what we are seeing and we are, what we are trying to promote uh, from the Chamber of Commerce is that the private sector can contribute in many other ways. Um, drawing from a study made by Redberg and Miklian, I want to argue that the Colombian private sector has engaged in peace building through these different four strategies. The first strategy is what we call operational strategies. These are decisions made by firms to expand or contract their investments, production, location, or staff in response to opportunities provided by the end of armed confrontation. Examples include the territorial pieces strategy that encourage and subsidize firms starting new, new operations in impoverished areas, intentionally sourcing products like coffee and fruit from at-risk regions to promote economic growth and strengthening supply chain security through development and infrastructure support. The second one is what we call philanthropic strategies. These include companies' efforts to provide public goods that yield no clear returns on their investment. Examples here include participation in demobilization schemes for former combatants, biodiversity and conservation programs like water and rainforest protection, and health and education programs like building or funding school or hospitals. The third strategy is what we call political strategies. These are efforts by firms to access state decision-making by funding over electoral or media campaigns, strategic lobbies, or the organization of associations to pursue joint interests. 
Examples here include the participation of business leaders in peace negotiations at the track one or track two levels, direct funding of political campaigns and referendums, such as firms that, for example, in Colombia funded the no campaign during the referendum phase, and funding of mediators, advice on design or participation on negotiations and corporate stakeholder engagement as a form of local corporate peace building. Finally, we have what we call public relations strategies that are efforts designed specifically to promote a positive impression of the firm. Examples here from Colombia include the Soy Capaz Peace Campaign. Um, this was a campaign of 100 firms uh, making their products with the same, uh, with the same uh, image. And of another example is the Colombian beauty firm Masglo reconciliation line of nail polish products, including tolerant blue, inclusive pink, and glitter shine of trust shades. <laughs> Keeping these strategies in mind, let me now quickly mention the work that has been done in the Chamber of Commerce of Bogota. Since 1983, the Chamber of Commerce has engaged in peace-building efforts. At the local level, it has developed alternative dispute resolution mechanisms for the private sector and from the citizens of Bogota. It has contributed to, different, to three different peace processes in the last 20 years, giving advice to the government and securing the peace dividend during the negotiations. We have hired many ex-combatants supporting their integration process into society, and we have helped many of them to set up their own businesses. Currently, we lead the private sector agenda of peace building and sustainable development in Bogota. In the chamber, we work mainly in three key areas. We generate knowledge about the relationship between the private sector and peace building in Colombia. We raise public awareness motivate the business community to actively participate in peace building and lobby the government to create public policy that enables the private sector to participate in the peace building effort. And we promote public-private partnerships to develop high-impact projects. So why is knowledge important? Mainly because the business community usually does not engage in any topic without data. So at the Chamber, we partner with different think tanks and universities to develop studies, surveys that can help us better understand how can the private sector engage in peace building. Some examples here are the only nationwide peace and business survey. We ask directly managers and top executives of the Colombian business community their perceptions and opinions about several topics regarding peace building. Other example is a study that is currently on the way with the International Institute of Strategic Studies here at London regarding the impacts that the implementation of the peace agreement can have in the private sector in Bogota. So knowledge is important, but the studies have to fulfill a practical purpose. We use knowledge to raise awareness and to intervene in the public policy process so that government can have a good data to formulate the plans and instruments that will help the private sector to engage in peace. 
One example on how the Chamber has contributed to refine the public policy process is the creation of what we call the private sector peace building agenda. This is a group of leading private sector entities that have come together to create a unique reference point and provide guidance to business leaders that want to contribute to the peace process. This group provides advice to the business community and to the government so that public policy instruments created can be business sensitive and generate the right incentives to make the business sector embrace peace. The Chamber has also joined international initiatives such as Business for Peace. Uh, last night we were talking about such platforms. Business for Peace is a very big platform, close to 150 leading companies and businesses association from 37 countries dedicated to catalyzing collaborative action to advance peace. Business for Peace works to develop the capacity of global compact local networks to support participants in their, in their efforts to conduct responsible business and, of course, good practices to advance peace. Finally, what we do at the Chamber, we promote public and private partnerships to develop peace projects that have a material and immaterial impact in the community. Just to give you an example, last year the Chamber led the 16th Nobel Peace Laureate Summit in Colombia, bringing to, bringing to the city 28 peace, um, peace laureates um, to an event, to a three-day event. The whole idea of this project was not only to have a world-class event, we designed the venture as a multi-stakeholder platform that could initiate a countrywide dialogue about peace right after the negative result of the referendum. This platform helped Colombia and Bogota to understand that there are other experiences and other examples of the world and that we share more or less the same challenges and fears when we talk about peace building. This event or this project also helped to activate a very strong transnational network of young peace leaders that are right now leading different projects around the country and are helping in this very moment to sustain peace. Only in this project, the Chamber invested around $4 million. So as you can see, the Chamber views itself as a key player in peace building, and not only in Bogota, but also in the country. For the Chamber, peace is a good deal, not only because it enables value creation, in the terms of economy, but it also because it creates the immaterial conditions that allow businesses to thrive. Our mission is to promote, guide, facilitate, and strengthen the business sector involvement in view of overcoming conflict and building sustainable peace by reinforcing capacities and providing knowledge, inputs, and tools to develop public policies and adopting private practices. We believe in a business-based peace-building effort that creates knowledge, fosters civic participation, provides for institutional capacity building, promotes dialogue across the political divide, and that creates business opportunities. In one sentence, peace-building is a good business for all, and of course that is a task for all. During this presentation, I have tried to show you 
how the Colombian business sector is engaging with the peace building process and how the Chamber of Commerce is helping in this. There are some lessons that can be drawn from the Colombian case that could be useful for academics and practitioners alike. The first one is that private sector is not a uniform concept. In order to understand, to study or to create business strategies for peace, it is always important to bear in mind the difference in size, sectors, regions and the type of corporate leadership. This takes me to the second lesson. Leadership is key. The CEO motivations are of critical importance for peace action, providing what we call the inspirational spark for a strategic corporate peace. This can include public commitments to conflict prevention and establishing policies, principles and operating standards linked to specific issues. We know that peace building interventions must be market sensitive and that market development must be conflict sensitive. The private sector has to engage in the early stages of peacemaking or peace building and the government has to create the conditions for this to happen. Private sector provides material support to peace building, but it also provides a strong symbolic value for society. In most of the cases, the majority of private sector will be among the winners in an event of successful peace accords. Although the cost of conflicts are real, improved security, fewer operational costs, more investment partners, and greater international opportunities resulting from a demobilization of illegal armed groups are still sufficiently attractive to enlist business support. The other key point is business and collective action is very important. Companies should develop and invest in mutually beneficial and transparent partnerships with other companies, government, and as Sir Kohler was saying, NGOs. It's very important to work in this kind of setting. In Colombia, Firms have become involved in formal and informal post-conflict peacebuilding and reconstruction ventures from local peacebuilding and development of public peace events. The other key point is that the, the private sector can sometimes lift some burden from the government and help lend legitimacy to the state. The private sector can deliver tangible dividends to the wider population through investments, not only to create jobs, but also provide basic and new services, introduce innovative approaches to development, and generate tax revenues for reconstruction and reconciliation efforts. Special attention has to be drawn to the SDG agenda, the Sustainable Development Goals. Let me remind that we cannot underestimate the relationship between peace and sustainable development. As the 2030 Agenda of Sustainable Development established, there cannot be sustainable development without peace and no peace without sustainable development. We all know that the peace building and the sustainable development agendas are deeply interconnected. Colombia has made a great effort to precise this relationship. Our National Planning Department has stated that around 60 out of 70 SDGs have indicators related to the implementation of the peace agreement, being the only exception SDG number 14. In addition, there is a co coincidence in the timeline for both the SDG agenda, which is planned for 2030, and the peace agreement implementation plan that is that it goes until 2031.
Overcoming armed conflict and peace building are collective tasks that require efforts and commitments from all Colombians. Peace building is a long-term goal that involves meaningful cultural, social, political and economic transformations appropriate to widen civil enforcement of rights while banning the use of violence from the range of alternatives available to settle disputes, achieve goals and make uh, transactions. As I mentioned before, we are facing many challenges right now in Colombia. The presidential elections, old and new illegal armed groups, the world drug problem that fuels Colombia illegal activity, the inequality between rural areas and the cities among many others. I have to say right now that this is the most critical time for Colombian peace process. However, I want to assure you that the Chamber and the private sector will continue to push forward the peace agenda, even if the challenges appear colossal. This is our commitment and this is our responsibility because we understand that peace in Colombia and in the world is a common task. Thank you very much.